Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Establish the Collection. I am Cody Main, joined as always by my co-host Gary Hartman. Gary, how's it going, buddy? Cody, you're bringing the energy there, man. You got the hello up and loud. I'm feeling good, man. I'm excited. Let's get it going. You said yeah. you were dragging. You've been moving for what, the past month, it feels like? What feels uh, like years. Yep. But first man. first day in the new digs, you can see I have a new background right now. I posted up in my dining room kitchen area, my new apartment in New York City. So um, excited to be back in the city, out of the in-laws house. Uh, if you're listening, my future father-in-law, I thank you so much for everything you've done for me over the last year and a half, but I'm very excited to be back in the city. That's for sure. We switched places. You were living with your in-laws, right? And recently bought a house. Congrats to you. Congrats on the sex getting out of the the (laughs) in-laws house, obviously. (laughs) And I, we sold our house at the top of the market, but now uh, are living in my in-laws house until we can eventually build our own house. So uh, very different situations for the two of us. Very busy lives the last couple of months. On top of that, we're throwing in now NFL season is upon us. Probably both of our busiest times of the year so how's NFL season prep going for you are you ready for the season yeah man I'm pumped I really have taken the last week or so week and a half any time I've had in between moving to dedicate to NFL prep um, been grinding the best ball streets been hanging out a little bit in the preseason streets not not like you um, but I've been hanging out just um, getting ready for my my home league my season long we just had our keeper deadline tonight so uh, very exciting stuff Really, really excited for football, ready to go. Um, but how about you, man? You've been grinding away, just crushing the preseason content for for ETR. Yeah, if you guys aren't subscribers by now, you probably missed the boat. I think we have a weekly option, maybe that's like $25 a week. If you want to get in on the final week of preseason action, we will be in there breaking it all down for you. Check out the site under the analysis tab. We've got preseason depth charts, preseason top plays, preseason live show. We'll be in the Discord chopping it up. It is uh, very much worth it. As Adam Levitan said on Twitter, it is God's game. It is truly, truly a beautiful game. It's been a lot of fun to break it down. And speaking of NFL, if you missed it last week, episode 16, we did our, uh, what I called it the best ball main EA too. Yeah. On Twitter. I like it. Uh, I like very, it. very good. Yeah. Very good dad joke for. So when we ship this thing, I'm going to have him rename it to the best ball mania, M A I N. Absolutely. Just to honor my honor my last name. But anyway, if you missed episode 16, go back, check it out. It was a ton of fun. We chopped it up, uh, drafted a Best Ball Mania 2 team, and then talked about sports card markets along with that. It was a ton of fun, a good crossover episode. Really enjoyed that. So I think you guys will too if you if you missed it last week. Yep, that's up on YouTube now too. So if you want the context to go along, see the draft as we tried to balance drafting uh, with the quick clock and and talking cards. But it was a lot of fun. That, that was a blast. So hopefully we'll uh, be able to do more things like that in the future as far as kind of combining fantasy sports and, and the card market. And we're still planning a giveaway. Uh, I still got that in the chamber. I've got the cards in this room right behind me, actually. Three cards that I'm giving away. Three cards that I'm giving away. So, Ooh. yeah, I mean, big number. We got to hit 100. So That's if you right. guys hit 100, I'm still not going to give away, give out what I'm giving away. But if you guys hit 100 subscribers or 100, excuse me, 100 ratings and reviews on Apple iTunes, we will get that away. I just checked the number before we went live. We're still at 81. Yeah, it's so right we got to pump so. that up. Um, and I do think we have two podcasts in the feed. It's just something the way the RSS connected. So go leave a rating on the one that has all the ratings on it. There's one with 81 in there. So yeah, be sure to give some love to that one. We appreciate it. And uh, as you said, yeah, we'll keep the we will keep the giveaways coming for all the loyal listeners. And um, you know, there's going to be plenty to talk about in the cardboard space. I think uh, this episode is is the perfect example of that. That's for sure. 
Yeah, quiet, quiet week in the hobby, wasn't it? <laughs> I was so mad that this major news broke like the day after we released the last episode. I was like, yeah, ah. I think it was it was what Thursday morning, and I think or Thursday afternoon, and I think we released the podcast. We recorded late Tuesday night, as we yeah, generally do, right. and re- released it uh, very early Thursday morning. So yeah. that's how these yeah. things go. I I almost messaged you in Slack and said we should just record a, an emergency episode, but it's almost been good to have about five days to kind of chew on this and digest all the news, and yep. it, we still don't know a whole lot. But uh, we can speculate on a few things, I think, and we do know some things. And for sure, I, I think we've got some takeaways. So, you ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and if um, why don't you take it away? If you don't, if the listeners at this point don't know what we're talking about, which I'm sure they do, but if they don't, Cody, what happened in sports cards over the last week or so? All right, let's let's start with what we know because we're probably going to need to leave ourselves with what a half an hour just to speculate on sure. what we think sure. is next. Yep. All right, I, I wrote down some notes. So here is what we know as of right now, right? Yes. So last Thursday, it was announced entirely out of the blue, right? Totally out we of didn't, the blue. We didn't have any indication that these licenses were even up for negotiation, were up for changing of hands. But anyway, out of the blue, Fanatics was going to take over the MLBPA license in 2023, and more importantly, the MLB license in 2026. So what does yep. that mean? That basically means that now, or at, come 2026, that Fanatics will be the exclusive licensee of the MLB. Yep. They will be the ones that have the license for the baseball products that we've come to know and love over the last 70 years from Tops and Bowman and so on and so forth. So starting in 2023, theoretically, and what this is where we'll get into the speculation here in the next couple of minutes, but theoretically they can start doing what Panini does now, right? Correct. They can start uh, making cards that just don't have the logos on them, like the airbrush jerseys and, th- and things of that nature, like Panini does right. with uh, the MLB product. In 2026, they'll be full-blown yep right they'll be the the exclusive licensee they didn't stop there though no, we thought the news not. was done there after that they announced that they also got the nba pa and nba licenses from panini so the panini prism products that we talk about on the show every week uh those will no longer be we assume well again we assume. we'll talk about that we in a second we'll, here we'll speculate we will speculate um, but they will become the exclusive licensee of basketball in 2026 yep and lastly on the license front they do have the NFLPA license as of now, but Panini can s- still control the license with the NFL. And I, I hope that news is still accurate. It may have changed it. since no, we hit. Okay, well, good. at least as of a couple hours ago, last time I checked up on this type of stuff. So as of, <laughs> we, you know, we record late night over here. So it was 1130 Eastern on Wednesday night, August 25th. That is accurate. The um, Fanatics has secured the NFLPA license. Not quite yet. At least that we're aware of the NFL license. That's correct. Yes. All right, so the, the first major shoe to drop, obviously, this is huge impact for Tops, huge impact for Panini, yep. obviously very good sign for uh, Fanatics. The yeah. first major shoe to drop was the Tops SPAC merger with Mudrick Capital that had Tops valued at about $1.3 billion, was terminated. Of course. Right, so that's the biggest news for on the business side for Tops. Now, Tops does still have other licenses, uh, one that you're very fond of, obviously, and maybe that just becomes Tops uh, flagship product, right? The the F1 product. We'll talk about that F1 in a second. F1 to the moon, Cody. F1 <laughs> to the moon. I think that was the first thing you actually messaged me. I literally me. said it. I, I said it. I'm like, it's F1. It's, it's, it's F1's day, and that's that's all that's good that they're here to didn't, say. Didn't care about Prism. Didn't care about <laughs> Tops Chrome. Didn't care about any of that shit. It I was mean, you just can, F1. You, you cannot convince me that the F1 Chrome Sapphire product is not the best release in years. You can't convince oh me yeah, otherwise. So. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, we All should right. be serious about this. This is a seven. It ended a seventy-year run for top. This is crazy. This, I mean, this is uh, and with 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 supposedly reportedly no op no option to counter. It was they were completely blindsided. This was completely out of left field. Exactly. Right. That's I think that's probably the craziest part to me. And and 
I, I just can't believe that after 70 years of, of tops and after how many years that they've had the MLB license, that it would just come down to that. But apparently it's a godfather offer, something that either uh, a tops would have never been able to match or B the MLB was just ready to move on. But anyway, uh, one interesting piece in, in terms of that deal that I wanted to touch on, and then we can kind of get into the speculation. Like I'll, I'll kick it to you too. I think the the most interesting piece that we know as of right now about the deal, and this came out today or or maybe a couple of days ago from the MLBPA executive director, uh, he basically came out and said already now that this was ten times bigger than any deal the union has ever done, yep. and it also includes equity for the players and the leagues in the new uh, Fanatics venture, and it may even include a portion of the secondary sales, which obviously is huge for the hobby huge for the leagues and huge for their involvement involvement in the sports card world in my opinion we saw this kind of thing happen over the last couple of months especially as top shot blew up as players and leagues and uh people that were close to the league had some sort of incentive to talk about top shot had some sort of incentive to be involved with the product it really helped grow top shot to what it is today so if we get yep. that same type of involvement from the players from the leagues from uh commissioners i think that's just really good news for the hobby hopefully that you know uh fernando tatis hits two home runs and then he's talking about his rookie cards uh, at the podium after the fact right so i think that's that's obviously really good if they're incentivized to help grow this brand too yeah it's a huge deal i mean it made sense that the, it was going in this direction that the players and the players unions are going to get equity and that seems to be a theme across all three leagues that um that has been what was reported that they're going to have equity all the players will have equity in profits of what put fanatics puts out it's um an enormous deal for them and yeah and we're not just talking and obviously we're huge top shot fans here we are so impressed with what they were able to do. We're both invested in Top Shot. But we're not just talking this, you know, startup NFT venture. We're talking the entire hobby now that that the athletes themselves will have stake and and equity in. It's not just the you know run of the mill licensing rights that Upper Deck had signed with LeBron James early on in his career, or most of the athletes have signed with Panini now coming out. Um, this is the whole shebang. And so, you know, that to me, and we'll, again, we'll get into speculating soon, but that to me opens up a lot of interesting opportunity uh, for, for sure, as far as kind of growth and, and potential. Do you have anything to add on the fact front? Because I feel like I just covered it all. We don't know a whole lot. And I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway from all this is we're probably not going to have a whole lot of information come out for weeks or months or even years in some of these cases with licenses not ending until 2023 at the earliest in 2026 for the exclusive licenses so we might not know a whole lot for a while now there may be some things and this is where we can get right into speculation there may be some things that help speed up this process and maybe move things quicker but uh, anything else on the fact front that i forgot that that we should be mentioned about the deal no, that's you just hit on that. I just wanted to make this very clear that at least on the the basketball and the football front, we have a lot of time here. Panini, they mm-hmm. have some leeway. You know, it's going to be at least five years, right, until this stuff really gets rolling with fanatics on those two sports. So, um, you know, that is what it is, and and we'll see. As you said, we'll see if something happens sooner, as far as mergers, acquisitions, all these types of speculating that we can possibly do. But um, we do have some time as far as that's concerned. Panini will continue to make products over the next couple of years. All right, well let's, well, let's get right into that because obviously they're they're kind of the two elephants in the room. Before we talk about Fanatics, we, we know the Topps brand. We know the Panini brand. It's something that we've talked about on this podcast every week that we're on. Um, what do we what do we expect from Topps and Panini in the, the near term? Speculatively, obviously, we'll keep saying that. But do we expect them to just continue to print cards as they've done until their, their licenses are up? Do we think that Fanatics just will straight up buy them out? Do we think that 
Tops and Panini will will overprint to try and maximize, you know, maximize cash over the last couple of years yeah. of their license. Will they just go absurd with the printing presses? Uh, do you have any fear of that? Is there anything that collectors should be eyeing uh, in the coming months and years as these changes start to take shape? Well, I think everything you just mentioned is a possible outcome. Seriously, I mean, I thought about all of yeah. those things. Uh, let's start with the possibility of overproduction because that's a real scare, right? Now, theoretically, you think these brands have nothing to lose now, right? Um, you know, let's let's milk as much as we possibly can out of these mm -hmm. last couple of years. We don't care about flooding the market. We don't care about another junk wax era. We're out, right? Um, you know, a couple of concerns there. One, uh, as of right now, Tops and Panini still have some licensing that we talked about. They have F1. They have soccer rights. They have some other things as far as uh, Marvel and Star Wars and, you know, things like that that do sell. But um, more importantly, I think that, you know, for now, I think they have to still operate in good business standards. Um, because they have demands to be met and contracts to be met on the sides of their leagues and their partners and the athletes. But, you know, I, my, my thing that will halt me from saying I, I'm really concerned about overproduction is my, my belief right now is the reason that all these delays are getting pushed back and slow rolled is that um, they're having some difficulties, Panini particularly, meeting production standards right now just with as is with the the demand of the market. So, I mean, I would have a hard time thinking that they're ever going to catch up to the point where they could just so much, so mass produce more than to the point where like it's actually flooding, flooding the market. But it's, you never know. I mean, they could hire a ton of people in the short term, project employees and have producers and, you know, it, it's certainly possible. I think Tops is much more likely to be bought out than Panini, at least in the short term. Obviously, you have the, the PA deal coming up shorter than the other two. And also, you know, baseball was 80 to 90 percent of their, their, you know, their, their, yeah. their lifeline. Right. And it's it's hard to imagine that brand existing without baseball. So I would expect to see that happen before any type of Panini merger. I think it's interesting to think where maybe Upper Deck comes in and slides in here. You know, they certainly I think Fanatics would be very interested in doing business with them. They have, as we mentioned early on in this podcast, they have LeBron James rights. They have Tiger Woods rights. You know, they have Michael Jordan's rights uh, that, you know, I think they have something to play here. So, again, this is all just incredible speculation. But I think possible outcomes include mergers, buyouts, possibly maybe Fanatics is interested in just acquiring iconic brands like Prism, National Treasures, Topps Chrome, Bowman Chrome, things like that. I think everything's on the table uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, what, what's, what say you? Do you have, you have any thoughts yeah. there? No, I think I think that's really interesting. I'm, gl I'm glad that we agree on the point of overprinting. I, I think that it is not in their best interest. It, th these brands aren't lame ducks, right? Like no. Panini and Topps, they're not lame ducks. You talked about how big of um, Topps's product is comes from the MLB, right? Yeah. Comes from their MLB cards. But I don't think these brands are just lame ducks. I don't think they're out there to overprint for the next three, three to five years and then just just dip out and be done. Right. Obviously, Panini still has uh, uh, UFC and soccer and Topps has F1 and some soccer. So like, there's just no no reason for them to completely flood the market and just say, you know, we're out. These, these companies certainly lost valuation with what just happened, but they're not dead. So I think that's the biggest takeaway. Like if, you, if you're questioning what's going to happen over the next couple of years, like is now the right time to buy? Should I should I wait until we see what ha see what happens with Fanatics? I don't think that's necessarily the answer. I think that the, there may be some, uh, a little bit more production, but we've already seen that, right? Since 2018, 2019, that may continue to climb steadily, slowly, but I don't I don't think we're going to see this, this insane ju entire junk wax era that we saw. Uh, previously, I think yep. what you mentioned there at the end was the most interesting part. If if fanatics can do uh, take bits and pieces of all of these companies, you mentioned Upper Deck, which which really hasn't been talked about in these these deals. But if they have Exquisite and some of those right. products and uh, Prism and Enti and Flawless 
and then take the best from from tops as well they can kind of create this this monster of a sports card pr- platform and product that gives collectors the best of all three worlds right totally. and we can get these these brands that are iconic and they can be produced correctly and and really just put very awesome products back into collectors hands so that's one thing one speculative thing that i think is really interesting i would love to see that yeah, I would be, I would be surprised if when you know we hit 2025, 2026, Fanatics is exclusively making all these cards. If all of these products were just totally gone, you know, we've seen Panini do this to a lesser extent when they acquired Donruss. We still see the rated rookie uh, around and card in, opt- in products like Donruss and Optic and things like that. That was such an iconic card symbol that they they knew it was important to keep it around, right? I, I would expect. Um, fanatics to want to do something similar at the same time i would also fully expect them to come come in and i'd imagine the pitch they've had to these leagues is completely disruptive and you're going to turn this turn this industry on its head and i would hope in a good way right like it's you know for the sake for the most part it's been a very similar industry for a long time you know high-end products low-end products chrome-based products paper-based patches autographs patch autographs right and like i don't i'm sure they have nft stuff in mind as well but it was one of the biggest mic drops in the history of business, as far as I'm concerned. Right? Yeah. Like they just they just came in and they just swooped up the three major American sports. And what they were, I think they were valued at the be- a little earlier in August at 18 billion dollars. Fanatics as a private company, yeah. and I imagine at this point it's it's got to be uh, possibly even a higher valuation. That was like, I think August 10th that valuation came out. So, um, you know, they have to have huge plans, and it's fun to, it's fun to speculate on what what those may be. Uh, I would like to see some of those iconic brands stay around because. Um, you know, I think Prism and, and Bowman, I think, are uh, have done just wonder, wonderful things for the hobby to have those like great flagship rookie cards. And, you know, I, Fanatics hasn't shown me anything to know that they can do that better necessarily. And maybe sure. they could try to produce something alongside. And if anything ever takes kind of the reins with it, then cool. But I would like to see those those brands stick around, whether it's by merger, by um, licensing rights or by acquisition. I do want to talk about the fanatic side because we're we're focusing a lot on Panini and Tops. I do want to yeah. talk about the fanatic side in a second here, but what you're talking about is really interesting, just from the sense that uh, what what happens if if Panini is done? Mm-hmm. There, there's no sub license; they're not bought out; there's not a merger, whatever the case is. What happens if Panini is done creating their iconic brands? What happens to the value of Prism? What happens to the value of National Treasure? What happens to the value of Flawless? Do we have a situation where it's like? Uh, exquisite where it's it's yeah. just this this really sought after relic and it becomes even more iconic like something you know like an artist that that they're they're revered while they're alive right but they become a, a total icon when they pass away right like with the death of prism and nt and flawless do we all of a sudden see this this meteoric rise i know you've got some awesome nt cards and you've got some awesome flawless cards so i don't know if that's something that you're you've even considered since this was all announced if that's even a possibility and do you think that if that's the case, if these if these brands and these products do go by the wayside in the next couple of years, do you think there will be some sort of long term value that collectors look back on this time fondly of those type of products? I was thinking about that today. I absolutely think that's a possibility. Yeah, and, you know, same way Ex- Exquisite is like the the peak of the Patch Auto um, game, right? So mm-hmm. the Patch Auto started in the early two thousands, really, and you know that stuff had LeBron and and obviously that uh, iconic O three classes along with a bunch of other Michael Jordan type stuff and. 
that stuff is just looked at so fondly. I think particularly, um, and you actually even see it now with tops in basketball in the late 2000s, you know, tops yeah. chrome and, and, and also dating back, you know, we we saw that boom of the nineties hall of famers, you know, the Tim Duncan types a couple months ago. Um, I think that stuff is looked upon fondly as well. So, you know, I, I do think once something's gone, the industry tends to miss it, especially things that were revered such as prism or national treasures, rookie patch autographs, things like that. I would expect that to be the case. Um, yeah, which is, yeah, I guess that's probably good for me long term. <laughs> I, I hope, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting thought. Um, I, I just, I have, it's so hard to think about because we just, again, we don't know anything. The brands haven't said anything. Yeah. I imagine the pitches must have been just, they you know, blown the leagues away because Fanatics must have something planned, but I don't know what their product's going to look like. I have no idea what their original products are going to look like. So um, I do think that that stuff will hold a lot of weight, especially the the, the pre-2017 stuff that pops are kind of held back. Yeah. You know, we already know that the pops are really high for 2018. And I think that can also have a nostalgia factor because I don't think we're ever going back to super low pops, even when Fanatics comes. Like I think the industry is at a point where um, production is going to be high. Now, whether it's going to be too high, that'll, you know, we'll, we'll see in a couple of years. But uh, I do think that that or that stuff that the, the pops really in, in check and they, those products maybe stop printing, then yeah, I think that stuff's gonna have a lot really be really, really highly regarded. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you. I've I've been really trying to purchase up what I can, especially on the basketball side. I feel like that's where my collectibles knowledge yeah. is strongest. But anything prior to 2018, especially the 2015, 16, 17 classes where uh, stuff is still reasonable, guys still have potential leaps to make in their careers. But I think now, especially like if Prism's done in a couple of years and these are some of the last low pop count Prism products that we ever get. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that there could be some sort of nostalgic value even long term. I think you mentioned something really interesting there about the hobby never going back to low pop count stuff. Yeah. I like like low print run stuff. And I totally agree with you. I think yeah. that we're at a point now with the hobby that that we're never going to see it come back from it's certainly we're going to go through recessions, whatever you want to call them, but we're never going to see what we saw uh even before you and I got involved just with with low print run type stuff. I think we're we're at a point where this is what we should expect going forward. Yeah, and um, I hope that – sorry, not to cut you off. I just I hope that Fanatics is smart enough to know the importance of just uh, scarcity, right? And yeah. they, I think they have some smart people. I believe the the, the StockX founder I'm, – I'm blanking on his name is, – is expected to yeah, step Josh in. Yeah, Josh Luber. Yeah, expected to step in as CEO yeah. of the Fanatics card – uh, brand. And that's, I think that's a good thing. He's done a great, great work with that StockX brand and and really has created a quite secondary marketplace. I think that opens up interesting speculation if they're going to get involved with their own secondary market, by the way. Yep. I mean, you know, so certainly having somebody like that come in. Um, so I think that they'll hopefully be smart enough to do that. But yeah, I mean, it also, I mean, they're creating in a way a monopoly around American sports cards, right? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, like they have no reason to necessarily hold back or not hold back. They could just meet the demand of of you know of the supply you know supply demand. They could just meet they could meet the demand however much they want. Um, so I, I would be shocked to see them like really limit back to our old types of pop counts. And I think at the very least we're going to see stuff like 2018 Prism is going to be like our baseline, and yeah. then 20 with where 2019 through 21 our last three years were the Zion and, and up. Uh, I'm talking basketball here. I think that is. Hopefully, hopefully the ceiling. I don't want to see it go higher than that, obviously, because that's where you really, you know, risk junk wax for sure. I'm with you. Well, let's talk about fanatics quick because uh, this is this is really an interesting part of the equation. Obviously, we we don't know what to expect. There is a lot of speculation. We know that uh, Michael Rubin, uh, executive chairman of Fanatics, we know Josh Luber 
will be involved. Co-founder of StockX, as you mentioned, these are guys that are involved in memorabilia. They're at least tangentially involved in the hobby. We know that Josh Luber uh, is a collector, hobbyist. Kind of, he, he's into this type of thing, which I think yeah. is great. The other thing that was really interesting to me, you mentioned that Fanatics is an $18 billion company, right? Yeah. And this will not be the biggest arm of their company. So when it comes to needing to print cards to run their business, I don't think that'll necessarily be a necessity. So if you want to talk about some potential upside here, there may be some ability for them to reinvigorate the market with some uh, some 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 supply demand dynamics here that that bring pop counts down in a sense. They don't necessarily have to go out and go print crazy because they don't need to necessarily have this be a, a cash cow for them, sure. right? So I think that's an interesting aspect of it. Um, the other interesting aspect, and I know this has been discussed a lot by podcasts that we listen to and articles that we read, is the uh, supply chain aspect of all of this, the logistics of all of this, and and Fanatic's incredible distribution line. Yeah. Do we think, is there any chance that either A, they just go direct to consumer, they limit the middleman, they entirely cut out the middleman, they cut out retails? What, do you have any any insights or leans or speculative answers on as to what you think fanatics does in terms of getting products into collectors hands look it's low-key the most underrated and probably you know again we've seen people talk about this a, lot, a little bit but i think this will is has the biggest potential to shake up the the industry as it currently is because what does F fanatics is going to own it all they're going to i think they have the 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 means to get it direct to consumer if they want to and what why do they care about getting the cards into the hands of breakers, for example. Like I, I would be scared yeah. for the future of the breaking industry in, in a sense, like they, those guys work through middlemen, through distributors that I don't know if, and they, and they, and they make, they make hand over fist money, the breakers do with the current setup, especially through Panini. So like, I don't know what uh, incentive fanatics will have with their infrastructure to keep that current modern system alive. So yeah, I, I don't know. I do think you'll, you will have some more opportunity for direct to consumer. I think, um, the same places that you see fanatics branded gear as, you know, as far as jerseys and things like that mm -hmm. in stores and stadiums in, you know, whatever it may be, I think you, you will have opportunity to maybe buy full like sealed hobby wax there. I would like to see them keep the local card stores alive. Hopefully they have do direct business with those guys. Cause I think that's crucial to the hobby. Um, that's the kind of thing that, that I would like to see, but I do think that, yeah, as far as kind of distributors and middlemen and, and maybe even the breaking industry, I think that ha has potential to, to at least be uplifted, if not be in danger. I was curious your thoughts on that. It was one of the, one of the burning questions that I had written down. I told you that basically I had a legal pad that I carried with mm -hmm. me this week after the news that anytime yeah. I was reading an article, listening to a podcast, I was writing down questions that I knew I would get insightful answers from you. I know you're, you're obviously big into the breaking streets as a consumer. Yep. You use breakers, you have good relationship with breakers. You've met a lot of good people in the hobby through breaking. Yep. I think that if there's any one aspect of the, the supply chain to keep alive, it is the breakers. Sure. However, they make that happen. They need to develop those relationships because breaking has been so good for the hobby. You can see it. Just no, look no further than you. Uh, it's probably been the, one of the biggest impacts it's had on on your collectibles experience, I would imagine. Yep. Uh, and I think that it's it's an entertaining aspect of the hobby. It's a way for people um, that maybe have lower budgets to get involved as well. Like if boxes are going to continue to be a thousand, two thousand dollars, breaking is the only way some people can get their hands on some of that product if they want a, a shot at a high end cards. So. I hope whatever they do, uh, obviously we know that the the distribution chain for Fanatics is incredible. If they wanted to go direct to consumer from day one, I'm sure they've got it. They would have it in place to be able to do that and they'd be able to succeed. 
I mean, I really hope that they keep the local card shops alive, like you mentioned, and I really hope that they keep, you know, breaking alive, whatever they have to do to make those, make those relationships work. Yeah, I agree. And I, but I think there could, I, I would like to see them come in and make some change with breakers too. I think breakers, and again, I, I don't, I've just heard some things that I've, I know, you know, some of these breakers have gotten really, really rich, especially the people that have <laughs> yeah, come in early right. on. I would like to see those margins close a little bit. Like I'd like to see them keep somewhat wholesale prices to people like breakers and local card stores, but I'd like to see them put recommended okay. prices or MSRPs on sure. on what they're supposed to sell cases for, right? Yeah, obviously the breakers need to make their cut, but it's gotten to a point, especially over the last couple of years that even for someone like me, I think certain breaking prices are, are outlandish and um, hard to get into. So I, you know, for the high end stuff, which is what I'm interested in. So I would like to see, you know, if, if they have that power, which they may, and I'm, it's, it's interesting. It kind of goes against my um, beliefs. I'm definitely a capitalist. Uh, I believe in- right. I believe in people being able to make their money, but you know, I, I do think that there's still an aspect of this hobby that you're going to price a lot of the people out that give a crap. Uh, so I, I think there is room for some regulation there. So I kind of, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pulled in both directions, honestly, right. in, in that sense. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Do you have any sort of wish lists, wish list items? Have you been thinking about things that you're hopeful that Fanatics is able to pull off, or things that you would like to see them do? If you could get if you could, let's just set it this way. If you could sit down in a room with Josh Luber for 30 minutes, what would be your top couple items that you would tell him that you wanted to see from Fanatics product? I guess, first of all, do you even think that we'll see Fanatics branded cards? I mean, that kind of comes back to the the question of, do we think that there's going to be a merger involved or a buyout involved? But I guess if, if we were to see Fanatics branded cards, what would be like your wish list items for Josh Luber and the company? I'm guessing we will see Fanatics branded cards in, in some capacity. Sure. Uh, I, I mean, I think the Nat Turner tweet was good as far as kind of just a, a basic wish list, you know, things like no sticker autographs. I yeah. would love that. I don't think that's ever going to happen. It's too hard to get athletes to get down and sign every single card that comes out every single year. Right. I would think that they are going to come out with their own products, and I think they'll do something similar. They'll have different, you know, fanatics, you know, their version of Prism, their version of Flawless, like whatever. I think they'll have different ranges. Uh, something that I, I was thinking about a little bit that I would like to see, um, I would like to see them make it a priority to – have product in store and have product in store for kids. Like I, I want it, I want, I want it to be when your son's in a couple of years and walks yeah. even to a seven 11 or something, I want to see that $3 pack of cards back that he can say, Hey dad, can I get this? And you can go open it with him. Uh, I want that to be easier for, for the, for the modern child. Cause this bit, this industry and this business has no future if those kids aren't involved still. And, um, the only people that have still been involved that you'll see at card shows are the kids that are taking out wads of cash with thousands of dollars that clearly they <laughs> they figured something out, whether it's their parents or whatever. But it's it's we, we've gotten to a point now where it's so hard for kids to stay involved. So I would like to see them make that a priority. If I honestly, that's the, the, the one thing that I would really like to see come back is just like that three or four dollar, two, two to three dollar, whatever it is, pack of cards that the kid can just get at a, a Target or or 7-Eleven, whatever, you know, your the gas station. I don't care somewhere, you know, yeah. anyway. I'm I'm totally with you on that. My son is three right now, uh, and and rapidly approaching the age where he's like actually curious what dad's doing. You know why right. why is dad in the basement staring at these pictures of grown men, sure. and, and why is that why is that interesting to him? Uh, I've started to get him some cheaper packs, but even that, like you said, man, it's just it's crazy. You can't obviously you can't get product to Target anymore. Uh, even the, even going to the local card shop, you know, just getting a basic pack of Prism, and then you you feel this like unnerving uh, anxiousness when he's holding them and you're like, Oh my God, like, I don't care how much this is worth or not worth. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I wish they could come out. I hope they will. And maybe they will just, uh, like you mentioned a low end product that hobbyists, collectors, investors know that 
it is a low end product. Like there's no, there's no flipping aspect to it. You're not going to get rich if you buy a pack and then flip it on eBay for five X that same night. Uh, I would, I would be really excited for that to come back. Cause like you mentioned in 20 years, when my son is, uh, of the age where he's collecting more and investing more, if he didn't have this growing up, what's, what's going to be the driving force to get him back into the hobby when, when he's a adult, like we are. Right. Um, right. so yeah, definitely, well, definitely one of my biggest wish list. Obviously the other thing we talked about, I, I had written down is I hope they control supply and demand. I hope yeah, they, they kind of bring back some of those dynamics there. The main thing for me. I would yeah. Love that. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned sticker autos. I would just be okay if they just got rid of redemptions, right? Like, I think we're yeah. going to have to live with a world of sticker autos. If they could have a way of getting those stickers signed on cards, out in packs, on product release date, like, and just re- do away with redemptions, I would live with sticker autos, honestly. Sure. Like, you know, I, I don't think we're going to have like a best of both worlds situation where we're going to have no sticker autos and no redemptions. That just seems impossible. So, uh, yeah, that was definitely one of mine. And then the last thing that I had written down was just innovation. I just, and I don't even know what that necessarily means. That's kind of broad and open-ended, but I just hope that they will take, maybe it's just creative risks. Maybe they'll try different artwork, you know, things like that. I just, I hope as a company, whether it means continuing with Panini and, and Tobbs via merger or buyout, I, I just hope that they continue to take risks and, and take creative risks, especially. I like, I like different products. Oh, one other thing, one other thing, because this is a big one that I didn't even write down, but it just came back to me. Bring back like the original, the the chase cards, right? Like, yeah, I don't inserts. want like, just just can just condense the the fifty seven parallels that we have to try and totally. keep track of every year. Totally, give me like five chase cards, you know, like they do with the super fractor and X fractor and and gold, and I, I don't need. Uh, yeah, no, do. Do color blast kabooms like the action? Just keep yeah, it like like right. that, though. You know, I don't want to see every everything that that you possibly purple, pop pink, your cracked ice. Yeah. That's yeah. not not you know like it's just so hard to keep track of, and it's so hard to know the the print runs on that stuff. Like the stuff that's not serial numbered is just so hard to keep track of. You feel like and yeah. you like what do you value this thing at, right? Like if you yeah. don't know what the true print runs are, so totally. um, those are my big wish list items. Is there anything that we missed in terms of this whole process as we've now talked about this for a half hour already? Yeah, no, I think the only thing I want I want to touch on also is I again I mentioned this briefly, but I think there has to be some sort something involved in their pitch and something involved in their plan with NFTs. And I want to see some sort of nice intertwining of the of traditional and NFTs. And if that and that's where I want innovation to come in, right? Like I'd imagine they're gonna be involved in NFTs in a big way. And I wanna see, you know, it, it, like the original thing when when Panini came out with blockchain was that there was a there was a, a physical card to go along with it. Mm-hmm. I want to see that. Like if you pull a if you pull a chase card in a pack, I want you to be able to redeem it and make it into an NFT in real time. Like something weird like that. I, I think that that's would be great. cool. Like you that's can own awesome. it, you can own it in the digital, you can own it in the physical and it's yours. Um and I, I think I think there's going to be room for that. I don't know what that looks like or how it, it comes to be, but I think um, something like that will, will be cool as well. A very professional segue by you as well, because we do have some other news outside of the physical card world that we need to talk about. DraftKings and Autograph, Tom Brady's new NFT company, yep. had a launch that was that's two weeks old now, which seems yeah. crazy, but we, we didn't record the week that they launched, and then we, we were really busy with football in our draft last week. So yeah, worth uh, talking if you, about. It is worth talking about. If you guys aren't aware, I'm sure you are. If you're if you're coming here from the ETR brand, you're probably f- very familiar with fantasy football. You're probably very familiar with DFS. You probably saw it on DraftKings platform. But if you did not, Tom Brady uh, has co-founded a company named Autograph. It's an NFT platform that I'm reading from their website now that brings together the most iconic brands and legendary names in sports, entertainment, and culture to create unique digital collections and experiences for users around the world. 
So that culminated uh, August 11th. They had their first drop on the DraftKings platform. So if you log into the DraftKings app, you'll see a marketplace that uh, is honestly very easy to use, very user-friendly in my opinion. And Tom Brady dropped his very first NFTs, his own NFTs through his platform on DraftKings. And if you guys haven't looked, go check it out. But it's, it's an aesthetically pleasing NFT but it is a digital still image. Basically, and we've talked about this in the past, how these are really tough to, they just don't play very well, I don't think, to yeah. collectors, right? We've talked about it. I put you on the spot when we were talking about Tops NFT uh, in one of our very early episodes, what you preferred best, the the physical card image that you can hold in your hand, the Top Shot style moments that are you know video clips, and then the still images like the Tops NFTs. And I think it was a very clear number three for you was oh, the, yeah. was the yeah, digital was still image. Anyway, the, the, the drop went off and, and seemed like it went off without a hitch until the following day. Uh, some users had done a little research and as has happened frequently in the NFT space with, with technology and uh, people trying to get around technology, there seemed to have been a queue bug that allowed users to get, basically get multiple spots in line. And yep. so a few of these users had secured all five of the very rare Tom Brady uh, first edition NFTs that were autographed, digitally autographed. And so that raised uh, a, a few eyebrows. But since I think they've resolved those issues, since the market has kind of settled into where it's at, and since they've released a few more NFTs, uh, including Wayne Gretzky's NFTs, recently today, they started the first series of drops of Naomi Osaka's NFTs and her autographed NFTs will come out uh, Friday, I believe. So it's it's just a very interesting time uh, in the digital collectible space. There's just so much going on, so much to try and understand and take away and try and ascertain what values will be going forward. I tried to participate in the Tom Brady drops and the Wayne Gretzky drops. I, I entirely struck out, which just seems sure. crazy to me. Um, but I haven't I haven't been active much in the secondary market as I try and wait to see where these things uh, settle in at. One thing that we were talking about off air is the the future roadmap is just not necessarily unclear for the Tom Brady NFTs and the autograph NFTs. It's just that we we see a similar situation unfolding where the low end NFTs that can be purchased for ten, fifteen, twenty dollars up to hundred dollars are worth as much in terms of utility as the very expensive, the very high-end stuff. They give you access to future exclusive drops for the athlete that you're buying. So I think that's one interesting thing to keep in mind is as we look at the floors on some of these prices, the ones that uh, are, are maybe higher mint counts, yep. are you're seeing those prices stabilize and the return on those investment, original investments stabilize because they're worth as much in terms of the utility as these very high-end, very short-printed uh, other NFTs. So I think that's interesting. I'm going to try and play around Friday with uh, Naomi Osaka signed sure. uh, NFTs. If I get one, great. I'll probably flip it. I've been very, very honest about that. You're seeing there's this instant return, uh, like this instant supply demand aspect that's not met. So people are really scooping them up, thinking they can sell them for more. So you're seeing these flips happen right on release time. Uh, it, it's just a really interesting time, obviously, in the NFT space. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on DraftKings NFTs or autograph going forward or long term? 
Well, just going right off of what your your last point was there, the beauty of just quick flips for guys like us is that you could just use your DraftKings balance, right? So <laughs> yeah. the, the intertwine of of um, DFS and and NFTs or, or hobby in general here is really coming to a, to a head. I mean, you know, we're, we're maybe an exception there where we we are avid and and uh, often, you know, we're, we're playing DFS on the regular, right? Or and, right. and when I was living in New Jersey, I was using DraftKings Sportsbook as well, uh, quite quite often. So, you know, it I love that that I could use my balance and my money that is in my account for for this venture. It's just an interesting venture altogether. I mean, you know, Tom, it's Tom Brady's first MTs, right? That in itself should for, just from the Brady side and and Gretzky. I mean, we're talking goats here literally goat. So, I mean, that in itself should hold some value. And then again, I, I hold the same concerns you do. There's still images. I, I don't know about the future of this. I don't know what the infrastructure is on the back end with DraftKings. Um, I don't know much about autograph in general. I, I, I'm i interested and I'm getting in line with some of the big drops, but I'm not all the way in, uh, if that makes sense. And um, yeah, but you know, from the DraftKings perspective, this makes sense. They've I've, You've seen this both from DraftKings and FanDuel. They've wanted to be involved with hobby stuff for a while um they FanDuel was giving away um breaks and stuff for their for their tournament winners of foot basketball season so you know I, I you know as far as tickets winners and stuff like that and so it's they've, they've wanted to dabble in this space it makes sense there's a lot of natural crossover um I'm curious to see where the future goes but I don't have too much of a take on it right now other than I'm watching I'm kind of diving into some of the cues I've also struck out uh and if I get lucky um I'm probably with you I, I'm not necessarily interested in holding long term depending on the athlete right now yeah. yeah totally agree and i think that your point on FanDuel and DraftKings just getting involved in this collectible space kind of goes in line with our thesis and and when we both wanted to get involved with establish the run on the collectible side and, and start right. established collection one of the biggest things that we both agreed on was that there's going to be these blurred lines between sports betting between fantasy between collecting between nfts cards all of it's kind of come together we're all in the same boat of like we just want to bet we want to we want to be yeah. degenerates basically yep. uh for lack of a better term we want to bet and we want to we want to speculate on athletes That's right it. and athlete performances and player performances and team performances and and one of the ways to do that is via nfts via player nfts and via collectibles so I think the fact that the fantasy side where we both come from is getting involved with the collectibles and the NFT side is really good for us going forward. Yeah, and that's why, honestly, I think this is kind of just a tangent from that, but I think Fractional has such a big future as well, which is kind of your start. Like, we, you know, it's the same way. It's we're directly gambling on an athlete, but from uh, streets that we can kind of all swim in. And, um, you know, like a company like Dibs, what they're, what they're able to do with, you know, take an athlete's overall market and we can gamble on that. I mean, this again, there's it's it's an intertwine of all of these different things. We all just kind of want to speculate and gamble on something that we all feel like we know a lot about. Um, and it's a natural marriage and, an, and a natural partnership. And I think we're going to see it grow. I do. I think we'll see DraftKings be involved with more NFTs. I'm curious to see if they strike up deals with Fanatics in the future to be involved with actual cardboard. I think FanDuel will want to get involved as well. Um, and as you said, it, it was the reason we started this podcast, the reason that Savage the Run had interest in talking about collectibles is the reason that we had interest in in uh, you know, communicating with the established run audience and, um, it, it all, it all makes sense. And I expect to see it continue to grow. Yeah, definitely. And we're seeing it now from, from all sports, right? Everybody's getting involved. All of these leagues are getting involved. We talked early on in, in one of our early episodes about the UFC. We talked about, uh, WNBA. You've obviously been very big on F1. Uh, I think that the biggest thing is all of these leagues are seeing the value and connecting fans and collectors with the athletes that they want to collect or invest in or or just you'll look at basically you know that all of this is just very 
makes sense as consumers and as fans to connect these. So one of the biggest things that's happened actually today was announced was the WNBA's involvement with Top Shot right. and Top Shot's involvement with the WNBA. I think this is great. It's a great marriage for the WNBA and for Top Shot. So Top Shot announced the partnership. This is the 25th anniversary of the WNBA. And to honor that, Top Shot will be releasing 25 moments, I believe, that uh, – will be coming out in packs over the next couple of days. I believe the drop is scheduled to happen on Friday. They'll be debuting moments from superstars like Diana Taurasi, Candace Parker, Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart. So these are going to be very desirable for anybody that's been involved in WNBA collecting for for women, for young girls that want to get involved. I think this is great. Uh, I, I obviously think this is great for the NBA platform and for Top Shot. Are you going to be trying to get a WNBA pack come Friday? Yeah, I think I will. I like it. I'm in. I'm yeah. interested. Um, I again, I, I think the WNBA should have always been involved with this, uh, with all these types of things. I, it took them too long to get in the NBA 2K game, and I'm glad that uh, NBA Top Shot w- realized very quickly that it was a it was a smart league to partner up with. Um, you know, they have they have very marketable athletes. We've talked about this a lot when we talk about the WNBA product in general, uh, their Prism product, but which is also coming out again soon. The the new the new version, by the way. But um, yeah, uh, of course, I I, I think Tarasi is a goat, um, and I think that there's a ton of great uh, women athletes in the WNBA that will, I think their, their first NFTs being involved with a brand like Top Shot have a lot of potential from a money-making standpoint too. So I'm interested. Absolutely. I've been trying to convince my wife for the last couple of hours that I've been home here from work to create an NBA Top Shot account because I don't know if you saw this, but uh, you're guaranteed to get a pack if you're in the priority queue and to guarantee access to the priority queue, you, priority queue, you need to own one common Aja Wilson moment and have that in your collection before the drop starts on Friday. So I, what they're doing is these moments are going to be airdropped to some of the new Top Shot accounts that are signed oh, really? up this week. So uh, if you're out there and you're listening and you've you've been hesitant to get involved in Top Shot or you love the WNBA and you want to try and guarantee yourself a pack, sign up for Top Shot this week. Uh, we don't have any promo codes or anything like that. We don't get any sort of kickback for recommending this but i'm really trying to get my wife involved because i want to see her get a pack i want to see if absolutely uh, if i can convince her that what we're doing here is not not crazy <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> well it is crazy but you know good luck convincing her of that but yeah no you should you totally absolutely should uh, get her involved and i like that that's that's cool as a side note i sent her i don't know if you keep up on some of the crazy nft prices for just not even sports collectibles nfts do you keep up with like punks what crypto stuff. punks are going for and the new I ones ether, ether rock I don't know much about that, but I keep an eye on punks and some of the other stuff, but yeah. So I, I had seen, uh, somebody I follow must have tweeted about it, but I had seen that these Ether Rocks, which apparently predate uh, punks, I, I'm probably going to butcher this, but apparently they they predate punks, or they're one of the very first, uh, very early NFTs, and they just started going nuts in price, right? And I'd seen one, one of those bots had tweeted out that uh, one sold for $1.3 million, right? So I it's, it's a JPEG of... A rock. It's a JPEG of a rock. So I sent a picture to my wife uh, and said, what do you think this is worth? And she just replied, zero dollars. Zero dollars. I said, what disrespect? This is a this is an NFT. This is a very first influential artistic piece of piece of artwork. And she thought I was nuts here. I'm going to put this up if you're if you're watching on this. This sold for one point three million dollars earlier this week. Get out of here. Are you serious? (laughs) Nuts. That this this exact image, yeah. Uh, apparently, there's only a hundred in existence. You'll have to look it up. I think it's I think it's called Ether Rock. Uh, Ether really, Rock. really wild stuff. So just 
just in terms of the NFT uh, craze, don't don't be shocked where you'll see money flood into. I've actually been keeping an eye, closer eye than I have in the past on the Top Shot market. And it seems like the Top Shot market is reacting to the recent NFT yeah. craze and the NFT bull run. So Yeah, I, I just actually took a quick look at my evaluate that market for the first time in a long time. And at least like my rookie moments, like I have a bunch of Emmanuel Quickly and, and Poku. Yeah. Uh, those are up big, which I'm nice. I'm happy to see. Happy to see. Um, I will say one thing that I've noticed uh, over this last bull run as the market's been pumping a little bit is it seems like the moments that you would expect to be if you've been uh, collecting physical cards for a while, those are the moments that are actually increasing in value. The short printed stuff, the rookie stuff, the uh, superstars. The stuff we about that we were interested in actually buying. Exactly. When, when yeah. yeah. Bef- before, and that that that's what makes it feel more uh, legit this time. Not that it wasn't before, but last time it just seemed like everything was going up in value and you're like no just because this this ish smith is is minted out of 199 does not mean it's worth thousands of dollars but we're actually seeing it this go around that that the values are being associated with cards or or moments that you would expect them to be associated with which is a great sign for the nft side it's kind of actually what we're seeing on the cardboard side as well the market we were talking a little bit about off air as well how the the market seems to be in a very strong place and uh, football is probably driving that. There's a lot of hype and a lot of excitement for football. Both the 2020 class is staying really, really strong. And I think there's a lot of excitement about this upcoming class, just as a little tease of what we'll be talking about in the coming weeks, because I think we'll be we'll be getting really, really football heavy coming up here. Yeah. Coming off the episode 16 where we did our draft, do you have any names you want to leave the people with as we get out of here tonight? Under oh, an okay. hour, put, which seems put, crazy. Put me, put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. The only thing that's popping into my mind is the unfortunate Travis Etienne injury, James Robinson. Uh, yeah. I think his stuff is is probably a worth a look because I'm, I'm bullish on the Jaguars offense this year. I think that he will now have the opportunity. You know, I mean, listen, you never know with Urban Meyer and him just giving Carlos Hyde a bunch of his carries. But I, uh, I would be... I would expect this him to see similar volume to last year. And we do see a crossover to fantasy success and regular life success. And we're seeing running backs start to get a little love. I believe Najee Harris's early numbers. I don't have anything in front of me, but I'm like the stuff that's come out, gold standard elements, things like that have been strong. He's the rookie running back of this class. I want to see if we run, I'm, I'm just taking a look. I'm curious if we get the 2021 is to running backs, what 2020 was wide receivers where it start to get some love, even yeah. if it's the young guys, even if it's just a pro bowl type fantasy studs, um, I'm, I'm keeping an eye out for, for those guys. So Christian McCaffrey, I'm interested in, um, you know, Zeke Elliott, all those guys. I'm curious to see if they're come out strong this year, guys that have potential hall of fame paths or just guys that are fantasy, you know, first return first or second round value. Those are the guys that I'm, I'm looking at as far as kind of opportunity. I'm going to leave the people with one name because uh, I've been trying to get my hands on the quarterbacks that I'm high on this year that I think have MVP cases that I think their teams can make deep playoff runs. Let's do it. Uh, Baker Mayfield. Nice. I love okay. Baker Mayfield. If you if you guys want to get like a, an extremely good bull case that is backed with reasoning and backed with solid analysis, go to establishtherun.com. If you haven't yet signed up for the draft kit, you'll get all of Evan Silva's team previews. Evan's obviously the GOAT if you come from the fantasy football space. Go read Evan Silva's write-up on the Cleveland Browns and tell me that you aren't excited about that offense and aren't excited about Baker Mayfield. Uh, His stuff has actually come down recently. I would be okay, honestly, getting my hands on some of his base cards as long as they're graded PSA 10. I'm I'm okay with that. I would obviously love refractors and and things like that. But his his base card in a PSA 10 has a pop count of 886 as of now and is down about 10% over the last three months, which is a good sign. Like like the hype has kind of settled a little bit. If we see him do what we're expecting him to do, do what Evan Silva is expecting him to do, I would expect that to kind of increase over the first couple of weeks and months of the season. And then certainly if they make a deep playoff run, uh, maybe they get another 
matchup with the Chiefs in an AFC championship type game or something like that, that would be fantastic. But his stuff is down about 10%, about $375 for his PSA 10. I love that. I, like I love that, that. Too. so we're in the same boat there. I think we got to get our friend Ryan Reynolds to uh, write another article about collectibles um, evaluation on, on Baker. Cause if you hadn't checked out his James Wiseman article from a, a month or so ago, check that out. He did a great job breaking down why James Wiseman's a good investment from a card collecting or, or collectibles perspective in general. Um, but I'm with you with you on Baker for sure. Yeah. Really good stuff on the site guys. I, uh, we obviously come from establishment on the make this whole thing possible, but especially as football season comes close. And if you're trying to make any last minute buys before the season starts, read all that stuff, man, these guys are great. And a lot of it's transferable from fantasy to, you know, season long DFS, definitely collectibles, go check it out. Get yourself a draft kit, get yourself an in-season package and, and you'll thank us later. Trust you won't me. get, you will not get better information anywhere on the internet for 35 bucks for the draft kit. If you have a draft coming up, I uh, finally convinced some of my friends in my league that have just kind of, they're, they're not, they're big football fans, but they just yeah. kind of rely on our home league as their main, main thing. I'm like, it's worth it. Like you, you can win a couple thousand dollars from a home league. You pay $35 for this. You'll, you'll be so much more invested and, and ready to go for our draft coming up next week. It's I'm pumped that they're, they're in an ITR now. And I think everyone, everyone should be, I mean, it's, it's the best place on, on the web and um you got another week of of preseason goodness from our our man cody as well so enjoy enjoy all the football i'm gonna check the site before we get out of here today because we do have another etr friend etr writer justin herzig is going to join us next week you guys know justin if you're in the nft space he runs one of probably the most influential sites in the space one of the sites that i go to for my analysis ownthemoment.com otmnft.com justin's got a new product that they're working on the owners club that he described to us, we haven't we haven't had a chance to check it out yet. But as he described it to us, it's it's kind of so rare for football, if you will, kind of uh, NFTs mashed up with fantasy football. So Justin's going to join us next week. First guest that we've had in a while. Very excited to have him on. He writes for Establish the Run as well. And as I'm getting the site pulled up here, I just want to check out to see if we do have a week long package for preseason football. Because if we do, you guys need to go get it. Absolutely. Last week of preseason. God's game. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're already getting news on playing time. It's incredible. We do $24.99 per week. Get it for week week three of the preseason. We've got three incredible slates, a Friday slate, a Saturday slate, and a Sunday slate. We'll be breaking it all down for you. So come watch me on the shows. Come check out my tiered top plays. It's going to be a ton of fun. Hopefully we'll win a ton of money as we head into the regular season. We are giving it away. 25 bucks to win guaranteed, not guaranteed, but almost guaranteed money on week three of preseason. That's that's unbelievable. I can't believe it. We already know we're getting four quarters of Bryce Perkins in a Rams uniform. No other active quarterbacks on the roster. They've got an emergency quarterback who had an appendectomy a few months ago. We're getting four quarters of a guy that rushed for 1,700 yards in college. It's It's a print fest. It's It's a print fest. And follow us on Twitter at CMain7 at G Hartman three one four. You get amazing goodies as like Josh Oliver being a preseason Hall of Famer. <laughs> I mean, incredible stats there. Played ninety eight snaps, ran sixty three routes, seen fifteen targets. Okay, we're getting totally off off base, but we're information you you won't you get need. anywhere else. Right? You need exactly. It. Exactly. You need it. So check all out right, ETR. Guys. Check out preseason. Fun collectible stuff. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We love you all. I think I'm signing off. All right. All right. For Cody. Sign off for us. We kept it under an hour. Go yeah, for right. it. For Cody, I'm Gary. Peace out, everybody. See ya.